What's up, guys? This is Miles Markowitz. And this is Brad Thomas. Here to give you the best sports insights to beat your book. You only need to ask one question. What's the spread? All right, we are off and running on another edition of What's the Spread? Miles on Sports here. Mr. Brad Thomas, what a wild weekend of college football we had. Of course, we had our first slate of NFL games. We'll get to that as well. But, my man, I have got to talk to you about what happened last Saturday. I have never seen so many handicappers get blown out of the water by Vegas on a college football Saturday. I think Vegas is going to have five or six new casinos by next week based on last Saturday alone. I mean, we had pretty much the entire public on Alabama, and that ended oh up being God. an insanely crazy game, one of the best games of the year. AM was 18.5-point favorites over App State. They lose. Nebraska yep. loses to Georgia Southern. What a day. Miles, nine of the top nine teams didn't cover the spread. And listen, I'm not the type of guy who just says they're good, they're going to cover. But that Alabama game of all games surprised me the most because it looked like they were just not ready. The like They weren't ready for the intensity that Texas was going to bring. And it's kind of shame on Nick Saban, kind of say, shame on uh, on both the defense, uh, defensive and offensive coordinators and Golding and O'Brien, but when you are the number one team in the country, you need to be prepared to have everyone gunning for you every single game. And it didn't feel like they, I felt like they just thought they were going to walk over them. And Alabama will figure it out. They, they have a lot to work through. Yeah. However, if we can get a game, maybe even this weekend where Georgia looks a little vulnerable, similar to Bama, then we could be set up for one of the best college football seasons we've seen in a very long time. Because yeah. if this Georgia team at some point in the early season looks vulnerable, then there will be no team that stands out above the rest. But as long as Georgia continues their dominance from week one, we'll yeah. see it this Saturday. I really think we will when they go to South Carolina. I, I do too. We'll, we'll see, are they that dominant? Yeah. Are they that far above the rest of the pack? So I, I'm very curious because if that happens, then we're going to end up seeing a lot of parody in college football this season. And we're already seeing it. Texas coming out and giving Bama the game they gave them uh, is it, it, huge for college football because it, it shows that other programs are starting to catch up. And it's not an overreaction. I mean, it, yeah. it, it was a game where Texas came to play and hit him in the mouth. I think it, it shows something a little different too. It shows you the effectiveness of the transfer portal, you know, because I will be one who said the transfer portal has been abused. Um, but if the transfer portal rules weren't the way they were, they wouldn't have had Quinn Ewers. That game would have been the same. And I think it kind of makes football a little bit, a little bit more fair. Um, it was kind of weird that ruling that they just had with uh, no transfers after August 30th. And so all the guys who have their names in the transfer portal have to pull them out. But I mean, they got to have fair play some way, right. but I think it was pretty cool. I'm glad you bring up the transfer portal because I think it segues very well into our first game, and I'll yes. tell you why. We are going to talk about Oklahoma and Nebraska. Oklahoma, 11-point favorites on Saturday going into Lincoln. And let's talk about Nebraska for a second. Mickey jo uh, Joseph is the interim head coach of Nebraska. Scott Frost is finally fired. I mean, finally. This, just all of the time that we spent talking about Scott Frost and Nebraska, I wanted it to work so badly for him because I'm a big Scott Frost guy. I wanted to see them successful. But yep. the transfer port, you know, a, a lot of people are saying, why didn't they wait until October 1st for the buyout? And Nebraska is, is catching so much ridicule for that. 
But there's yeah. a reason for this. In college football today, you can turn around a program more quickly because of what's happening in the transfer portal. And we've already seen it with Michigan State and Mel Tucker. Yes. Brett Venables is taking advantage of that at Oklahoma, trying to get his guys in there. Yes. We're we're seeing this happen more USD, Texas. USC, Texas. I mean, it's look nuts. at what Texas did with Bama. Yeah. With Alabama last Saturday. And Ewers was was a big spark plug of that. He goes down. Yeah, he was. He, he gets injured. But that was just an example. And there were there were some other guys too. Look what's happening at USC. Nebraska needed to make the change right away so yes. that they can get their so that they can start the search, turn the program over. And it might be Mickey Joseph. Yeah. But in college football today, you don't have to wait years to turn these things around. I think it's pretty exciting. It makes it fun. Well, good segue into the game. We're going to talk about Oklahoma, who is an 11-point favorite. The line has been moving all over the place uh, against Nebraska. I will start with this one first. So uh, my friend Marty pulled up these stats, did all the hard work for me. This is from PFF. That thought was pretty cool. Nebraska's run grade is the fourth best, but their run block grade is 44th, right? So we want to see how Oklahoma does against the run. They're 16th best, only allowing opponents to run 2.3 yards per game. You know, these early season stats don't mean much when you're playing cupcakes and um, and, and teams who are in, in, the, in the FCS, FBS, FCS, excuse me. But I think the run stats mean a lot when you have a a coach like Venables who wants to be able to stop teams defensively. Let's look at this Kent state game that Oklahoma played. You know, it was garbage. If anybody watched that first half, I was absolutely bored out of my mind. Then you watch Oklahoma play in that second half. And it was like, Holy smokes. It was like, I feel like Brett Venables wanted to be like, guys, let's assert ourselves. Let's show our defensive dominance in the first half before we start spinning the rock. The offense started to click. It started to go together. I think that this is going to be one of those games where the same thing happens in this game. And when you're on the road, if you come out flat or your offense is not firing, you're going to be caught. You're going to be caught quick. But this Nebraska team sucks, Miles. I'm 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 backing Oklahoma minus 11 and a half. I mean, minus 11. The, the combination of Jeff Levy and Dylan Grabeville has shown that at, in a moment's notice, it could absolutely go nuts. And you know who's ready for an absolute breakout game? Marvin Mims. So, yes, give me the Sooners minus 11. I, I do lean kind of the over in this game too, but I want to hear what you have to think about this. Uh, it looks, I, I, I had some trouble with some of the picks this week. Not this one. It's Oklahoma minus 11. I don't care where this line ends up at. And, there, uh, yes, there's a lot of, you know, off-the-field storylines going into this game. It's, it's crazy. How is Nebraska – how are these kids, these teenagers, going to respond with Scott Frost being fired – you know, can can Mickey Joseph rally them? I, really, I don't want to hear about any of that because right now yeah. these programs are going in two completely different directions. Yeah. And yes, the first half for Oklahoma was different, difficult last week against Kent State, but came out and just dominated in, in the second half. And, and you know, they're they're still figuring some things out. But in Gabriel and Mims and Levy, I trust. I yes. think this Oklahoma offense is going to have an absolute field day. Nebraska. Ranks number 124 in the nation at total defense. And they have played Northwestern, <laughs> North Dakota, and Georgia Southern. Yes. I, I don't have to repeat myself there. That That is absolutely awful. They are giving up an average of 492 yards per game. They gave up 642 yards last week. And take it from me. Take it from an Ohio State fan that watched 
a struggling defense last year. You can't fix this in five days. No. And then you put in the fact that you fired your head coach. There will be no spirited performance from this Nebraska <laughs> defense next week. They are going to get ran off the field by this Oklahoma offense. This is a Nebraska defense that gave up 200-plus yards to two teams. And then to North Dakota, they gave up 175 rush yards, Miles. what What's the worst recipe if you're a defense going against a gunslinger? Can't stop the run. Because you're going to want to try to stop the run. Now you have to worry about Dylan Gabriel's arm. This is going to be – I feel like Nebraska is going to come out flat. People, are, people aren't going to show up to the game. The people aren't going to come. And it's really embarrassing. It's really sad. And when I was selecting games I wanted to go to at the beginning of the year, I, I circled this one and I considered it. If I wasn't so unsure about Scott Frost, I would have been there and I'd been I'd be really mad that I was going. But so we're both in agreement. We're on Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. And as college football betters, you can't overreact after a week like last week where yeah. you know none of the big heavy favorites covered. You've got to stick to your guns. So we're into week three now. It's it's a completely new Saturday, and I say don't overthink this one. Take Oklahoma. Cool. What do we have next? All right. Next we have where College Game Day originally was going to go, and what a story that is, by the way, if you didn't hear. So Appalachian State, as we all know, 18.5-point underdogs to A&M last week. They go in and beat them. Game Day was going to go to College Station for this game, Miami, Texas, A&M, <laughs> but now they are actually going to go to Appalachian State. <laughs> on Saturday. So not only did Appalachian State go in and beat AM, they took their college game day. Uh, just a crazy story. So we got AM here as six point favorites. Plenty of off the field stories here as well. Haynes King has a QBR this year for AM <laughs> of 33. He's been absolutely awful. And, and, and here's the situation for AM as six point favorites. I'm yes. taking Miami, by the way. I'm going Miami plus six. I think it's too many points to pass up. With how absolutely awful this AM awful. team looked, completely dominated by Appalachian State last week. And it wasn't even close. The only reason they were in that game was because of a special teams yes. touchdown. Oh so my God. Here's where I think AM's going to go with their quarterback situation because Jimbo Fisher is not announcing it. I don't think Jimbo's making the change. And I think that this is a prime example of why Jimbo is struggling so much at AM. Not only is he not making a change, but he's not giving up his play calling duties on no, this lack of offense. Which he, he should. should. Which he should have done years ago, in my opinion. I think it was time for him to do that. Even if it is Max Johnson, he's not going to be the one that saves you. There's a reason that Haynes King won the job, and yeah. he's not performing. So, Brad, I, I I I I can't pass up the points I'm getting here. Not to say that Miami's going to come in and win, but <laughs> I've got to go with Miami plus six. Well, I'll tell you this. I, as we were talking and I was looking at my notes, I saw something come across my desk that says Jimbo is leaning towards starting Max Johnson, which okay. we both know Jimbo is stubborn, so I'll have to see it before I believe it. But either way, I think that getting six points for Miami here is huge. Tyler Van Dyke is hand over foot better than Haynes King and Max Johnson. He's good enough to keep them in this game. Let's say Max Johnson starts. Okay, Miami get one of their best defensive linemen back from injury. He didn't play the first two games. He's playing this game. They're going to have people to be able to attack the quarterback. I think this is going to be a very low-scoring game. And whenever you're catching points in a low-scoring game, I feel like you kind of have to take it. So let's just talk about Haynes King for a second. Haynes King, (laughs) 
was the second worst rated quarterback on PFF in his first two games. Awesome. Right? And so let's say Haynes King plays the first half and then gets benched. I'm ultimately thinking if your quarterback's playing bad enough, unless you pull a Bama, your backup quarterback's not going to get you back into the game. After that game, after Texas A&M hosts Miami, they host Arkansas, they travel to Mississippi State, and then travel to Bama. This is going to be the most brutal stretch for Jimbo Fisher. I think that at some point in this game, there will be a moment where we will figure out the identity of this Texas A&M squad. And how I see this game starting out is I think that Miami will come out fast, playing good defense, tackling hard. They might get the lead. They might not. I do see Texas A&M winning this game, but it's going to be a field goal. It's going to be something where at some point, you know, these guys are going to have to shine through. I don't think they're as bad as they're playing, but you're giving me six points for a team who I think is a live underdog. I'm taking it every single chance I can get. Yeah, and with the play of Tyler Van Dyke and them having the better quarterback, it's it's too much value to give up. Yep. Uh, because there, you know, when, when it comes to the quarterback comparison, there there is no comparison. Uh, and it has a lot to figure out. All right, let's go ahead and head out west, the Pacific, northwest to be specific. Uh, Michigan State at Washington. Washington here, uh, despite being unranked against number eleven Michigan <laughs> State, they are three and a half point favorites at home. So. For my pick so far, and as I said last weekend, it, it was a brutal Saturday for college football better. So I'm I'm going to stick with the trend of better quarterback here. I went with uh, my man Dylan Gabriel with Oklahoma, Tyler Van Dyke with Miami. I am going to go here with Michael Penix in Washington. And the reason that that's so big for me is because, Brad, I thought Michigan State <laughs> plus three and a half was a no-brainer. <laughs> I really did. And yeah. by your reaction, I, I'm assuming you're also going to go with the Huskies here. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, which I'm glad to hear because I was on Michigan State originally. Uh, their defense has been really good. They lead FBS with 12 sacks as a team. Yeah. Uh, transfer from UNLV, Jacoby Women has been an absolute beast. Five and a half sacks, three forced fumbles. It seems like Mel Tucker is picking up right where he let off. Yes. Left off last year. However, Michael Penix is the better quarterback in this matchup. Peyton Thorne struggled so mightily last week. For Michigan State, even though they had the big win. Don't be deceived by the score. He didn't yes. look good. And now you're telling me that they're traveling across the country to face a pretty good Washington secondary. So Michigan State's not going to be able to make plays through the air here. I, I'm not a believer in Peyton Thorne. My man Michael Penix, who we've yes. been talking about for years, I am so happy to see him healthy and playing for a big university because when this man is healthy and he's confident, he's making plays. Yes. And he's had two really solid games. Even though they have they've been against inferior opponents, I'm liking the play out of him so far and that's why uh, the biggest reason why I like Washington at home here. You know, um I'm glad you're on Washington. I'm on Washington as well. And much like you said when I first looked at this game, I was like Michigan State all the way. And I didn't even know what the spread was when I first looked at this game. I imagined it would be something like Michigan State minus one and a half, maybe minus one, then it makes sense why Washington's minus three and a half. So looking back at Washington last year, Washington held opponents to 22.7 points per game. You might say, yeah, it's okay. It's good. It's solid. Remember, this is the the Washington team who had one of the worst offensive time of possession rankings in college football last year because they could not sustain drives. 
So you're telling me this defense had to deal with bad field position, had to be on the field a lot, and somehow, some way, still limited opponents to 22.7 points per game, held teams to five yards per carry, and only allowed 235 yards per game? That's because it's a good defense. This defense returned 67% of their production. And then all of a sudden, boom, Michael Penix Jr. shows up. Yep. I'm going to be on Michael Penix Jr. passing yards. I'm going to be on Washington. Just you might as, I might as well just get donned in a Husky uniform. And you know what's even better, Miles? This game is going to be a fun home game where they where the Huskies get to prove themselves. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. Saturday night football you, under the lights. It's a great stadium. They're two and zero. Like this for Michigan State to come out and win this game. It's going to have to be they are better than everyone thinks they are. Yeah. And I don't think they're as good as everyone thinks they are. Well, this Washington would, team has yeah, – Well, I was going to say, and you and I both said that at the beginning of the year, we, that, that we didn't think Michigan State exactly. was, was this good of a team. So I think we really find that out on Saturday night. Uh, exactly. So I'm all over Washington. I was super excited that to see that you're on the same side as me. Yeah, same. And this this trend is good too. Uh, Michigan State's last 13 games against Pac-12 teams, they are 2-11 against the spread. Whew. And keep in mind that these guys are traveling across the country. And again, Peyton Thorne didn't look good. I don't expect that to, to change after one week, especially going on the road in such a tough environment. I like Washington by four here. Yeah, Just I enough. like them by four. Because I do think Just it will enough. be close. Just All enough. Right. If, maybe if they weren't home, I would probably back Michigan State. But, I mean, at home, I think they're going to be the much better side that night. All right, so we're three for three so far. Uh, let's see if that changes. Let's go to Penn State and Auburn. This was the whiteout game last year for Penn State. Uh, a little bit different this year. Both teams are coming in 2-0, uh, but it's not getting as much recognition this year. Penn State's coming in as three-point favorites. How are you feeling about this one? Um, listen, this game made my stomach hurt because I'm going to be backing Auburn. And it's gross, right? But this will be a game of massive massive, massive home field advantage. And why I say that Jordan Hare has been bumping. Who they play? Uh, San Jose State and Mercer. Mm -hmm. And this is no dig on my team, Alabama, but I can guarantee you if we play San Jose and Mercer, uh, Brian Denny's not going to be jumping the way uh, Jordan Hare Stadium was. What's more difficult when you are a team who has a not so good offensive line playing on the road against a sellout crowd because the defense is up for it. Penn State's one of the worst through two games, one of the worst in college football at protecting the quarterback. I think that it's going to be interesting to see if Penn State can run the ball. Uh, Singleton, Singleton's been doing pretty good. But when it comes to pass blocking, we already know Armour's going to want to get in the backfield. And then what does that leave us with? That leaves us with Sean Clifford. And we've said this. I've said this at least time and time again. I do not trust Sean Clifford. And he's not going to be a good quarterback on the road against a team who's ready to wreak, uh, seek revenge. There's so many stats that tell you, man, don't bet Auburn. Auburn's one and six against the spread in their last seven. They have TJ Finley. TJ Finley throws more touchdowns than interceptions. This game will be run on the line of scrimmage with the defensive line and with Tank Bigsby running the ball. Give me Auburn plus the points. All right, this is my coin flip game. I'm going on the other side. I like Penn State minus three. And you've got to admit that Clifford has been at least somewhat surprising. I mean, in that in that opening night game against Purdue, 
if you would have told me that he was going to go down the field, eight plays, 80 yards, after throwing a pick six to get the game-winning touchdown on the road, I I would never have believed you. Um, well, everything you said in that statement, nothing was surprising. The pick six part, too. Yeah, but him going down the field after throwing the pick six was the part yeah. that surprised me. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I, so, I mean, <laughs> we know what we're getting with Clifford. <laughs> we do, but – on, on the other side, and you already mentioned it, this is Clifford versus Finley. It's it, it's it's not a great quarterback battle, uh, but I'm not liking Finley either. Auburn as a team only has one passing touchdown this year. Listen, it, it's going to be who who can run the ball. Yeah. And Auburn's got Tank Bigsby back there. That's going to be their game plan. They're going to feed him the rock consistently. But on the other side, you mentioned him. Nick Singleton for Penn State. This guy is ready to break out. He was the number one running back in the 2022 class. Five-star running back. Ran for 179 yards last week on 10 carries against Ohio. I think Penn State's got just as much of a chance to control this game on the ground as Auburn does. But, as you said, the pass protection hasn't been good. What has been good for Penn State is the secondary. They lead the nation with 25 pass breakups on the year. So this is kind of another situation for me where I don't think Finley's going to get anything going through the year. It is going to be a close game, and that does scare me. I think Auburn can absolutely win this game. Jordan Hare is one of the toughest places to play in the entire country. Yeah. It doesn't matter what Auburn's record is, and they are going to be jumping for this one, especially because they're trying to get revenge you know, from the whiteout game last year. So, so they want to show Penn State what they got. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Big Ten here, which could be a mistake, but I'm going to go with Penn State minus three. They won this game last year, 28-20. I see a very similar game. So I'll take three for three, Brad. Of course, in the Big Ten SEC game, <laughs> We we go. Right? I How go funny! Big Ten, you go that? SEC, of course. I, I somehow I knew that was going to happen. But I wanted I wanted to bet on Penn State, and then like I saw this stat here with Penn State, third worst in tackling as a team in the nation. Like stuff like that scares me. It's going to be tough uh, with Tank Bigsby back there because yep. that man is a beast. All right, let's go ahead and go into the NFL. Uh, if you didn't join us last week, we're changing up the NFL a little bit this week. Uh, basically three sections of bets. We're going to give you a spread that we really like. We're going to give you a player prop, and then we're going to give you a bonus. Let's go ahead and talk about our spread picks. Uh, for me, there were a lot that I liked this week, actually, Brad. If you if you go and look at the NFL Week 2 spreads, there are a lot that are surprising me. Uh, but I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills minus 9.5 on Monday night. The Bills on the opening night of the season were unlike any team that I watched last weekend. Maybe besides the Chiefs and maybe even the Chargers, which is why I'm On so the road, excited. too, which is nuts. Yeah, on the road against the Super Bowl defending champion Rams, who, let's not forget, the Rams are going to be a good team. Uh, it's just that the Bills made them look a certain way. Sean McVay was puzzled with Josh... The way that Josh Allen was controlling his offense... Oh, so... ...was God. so smooth. And his decision-making in the pocket has improved so much since his rookie year. It, it's been so impressive to watch him. And when he starts running, he might as well be a Derrick Henry at quarterback. And he's finding his receiver. It just the and, and here's the thing: I'm going to take the Bills until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Uh, so they they easily covered last week. I'm going with them again this year. Last or uh, this week, last year they were 10, seven, and two overall against the spread, including the playoffs. And you have to think that they they did have a lot of high point spreads. And they're against the spread point difference last year was plus 77. So the Bills are going to be one of my favorite bets because I do think it's one of those teams like the Chiefs that they're going to start yeah. to balloon these lines up. But yeah. look at who they're playing. The Titans didn't look good last week. And, you know, they, they, they've got a lot to figure out. Derrick Henry wasn't running very well. Uh, so I, I, I think it's a good matchup. It's the Bills' first home game of the year. 
And there is a hunger in the eyes of these Bills fans and Josh Allen that I think is going to take them all the way to the AFC Championship game. What do you got I, for me? I just want to respond to you real quick. Yeah. I, uh, I touched on this game a little bit on Vizen last night, and someone asked me what I thought about this game. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised to see the line is down to 10. I think the Bills win this game by 14 plus. Yeah. Um, so any like extra points we get. For me, I'm going ahead and I'm going to fall in love with the public's favorite bet of this week. Bengals minus seven at the Dallas Cowboys. All right. And what was so annoying for me was I was going to bet this spread before the DAC injury. For those who don't know, I'm a diehard, um, die, diehard Buccaneers fan. I'm watching this game. And there was so much about this Dallas Cowboys offense that made my stomach turn. They got weaker at the wide receiver position, thinking they could do it all with CeeDee Lamb was wrong. They got weaker at the offensive line, then got more banged up during that Bucks game. Everywhere you turn, they got weaker. Now, Cooper Rush comes on, on there, and the line balloons to seven. People are going to overreact. You know, it ballooned to eight. They're going to overreact, and they're going to bet Cowboys because they said the Bengals didn't even beat the Steelers last game. The Bengals had over 400 yards of total offense and still almost won the game. Don't even remind me about that game. And wild. I will say this. I think that the Bengals' pass rush can rival that of the Buccaneers. And so you're telling me you have Cooper Rush under center getting pressured all night in a must-win game for those. This is not – the Bills know how how competitive their division is going to be. They can't just lose games. This is a must-win game for the Bills, excuse me, the Bengals. The Bengals Bengals are going to come out hot, ready, and fire. I think this is going to be – listen, Diggs sucks. What Diggs is good at doing is getting turnovers, but you know Burrow's going to protect that ball, and he's going to let Jamar Chase cook. Absolutely cook digs this weekend. So you're going to give me Bengals minus seven, and I'm not even going to think twice about it. I, I like it, and especially for that last point. The Bengals can't afford to go 0-2, and, no. and this team is too good to be 0-2 after two games because they they shot themselves in the foot consistently in the first half against the Steelers, and let's not even talk about overtime, but they should have won the game at so many points. They outplayed the Steelers, somehow ended up losing the game. Yep. Don't know how, but this is a vulnerable Cowboys team right now. Uh, so more on this game later for me, but let's go ahead and uh, go into our player props. Throw it at me. What do you got? Uh, Washington Commanders at the uh, Detroit Lions. I'm going Carson Wentz over one and a half passing touchdowns. You heard it here first on What's the Spread podcast. Carson Wentz is officially back. He's back, and, baby. You know, he's got two things that I think uh, help him out a lot. He's got three quality targets who all provide something vastly different in their skill set. And the second most important thing, he has the confidence of his coaching staff. He has the confidence of his city. He threw four touchdowns last week. Jahan Dotson looked like an absolute beast. Curtis Samuel, thank goodness he's playing good, good football. And, and scary Terry even caught one, but listen, this is not just me hyping up and, and, and parlaying win success from last week. It's also me looking at this Detroit Lions team. If Jalen Hurts was a passing a pass first quarterback in the red zone, this line would be probably like minus 130 because Jalen Hurts would have had three passing touchdowns last week. Last season, the Lions were second worst in the NFL in red zone touchdown conversion rate. 70% of the time, 
You guys heard that number. 70% of the time, teams marched down to the red zone. They scored a touchdown against the Lions. And I can tell you this. The commanders would rather throw to Logan Thomas, throw to Terry McLaurin, throw, rather throw to Dotson, than run the ball in the red zone with Antonio Gibson. So give me Carson Wentz over one and a half passing touchdowns. All right. I like it. Hey, uh, how about that Dalton Schultz cash last week? Over How about it, baby? How about it? Seven catches. Just blew it out of the water. Oh, and Christian Kirk was, was it wasn't even, I didn't even sweat it. Money. Absolute money. All right. I'll be taking that one. You know I will. Uh, looking over things this week, and I've got this man on my fantasy team. I'm going with Najee Harris over two and a half catches for a couple of reasons. First of all, two catches last week, but that is not a uh, enlightenment of what he did last year. I think that they're going to get him way more involved in the passing game this week because they the Steelers' offense right now is going to be desperate to be more dynamic. Because what they were throwing against the Bengals is not going to work. And the only reason that they were up in that game is because the Steelers' defense came out hot and was creating takeaways like nobody's business. And Harris, I think that two catches is the minimum for him in a game like this. Uh, But I'm going to go over two and a half here. I like that. That's the line that I like. Uh, Trubisky can't really do much uh, (laughs) in the passing game. Uh, So, he's again, they're going to be looking for any chance to be more dynamic. I want to say this too, as well, um, about my bet. I totally forgot about this point because a lot of people were going to say, well, didn't the Lions get better at the DB position? The Lions had almost the worst PFF coverage grades last week um, against uh, against the Eagles, which was kind of funny to see because they, I don't think they improved that much. Um, what is your next bonus play? Yeah, so going back to the Bengals, Cowboys and bear with me uh-uh. on this one. I am going with Bengals Cowboys over 42 points. And this stood out to me for a couple of reasons, because I think this game is going to go one of two ways. The first way, which will be better for you and me, because obviously we're going to hammer the Bengals now. Yeah, it's going to be a blowout. That's that's option one. And I think if it is a blowout loss and the Bengals do, you know, come in there and take care of business, you know, whether it be 34, seven or 35, seven or 35, 10, then it's an easy over. But but let's say that it's a competitive game. Then if it is, I still see about a 10-point win for the Bengals here, and I only need about 17 from the Cowboys. This is kind of where I see the game going, like a Bengals 27-17 victory. The Cowboys offense, I understand the Cooper Rush is starting a quarterback, and, and, and I'm not happy about it. That Cowboys offense looked anemic last week. They looked absolutely overmatched and awful. Yeah. However, it can't get much worse. The Cowboys were the only team last week to not score a touchdown they won't repeat a performance like that they'll figure out a way to get some points on the board and i think the Bengals are going to come in here and score a lot of points against dallas so i just need them to hold up their part just a little bit i'm going in the uh with the over in that game hey i like that a lot um i think it's funny too because like the line set at seven but you'd have to imagine that the Bengals are going to score 35 points so the the cowboys are going to have to at least score the books are, are hinting the Cowboys are going to score 21 to 28 points, you know? Just, My just last give me 10. Play. 10, yeah, I think 10 to get it done. <laughs> my last play, Dolphins at Ravens. And I am on. I am going to be on the Ravens, but it's not my play for this game. It's Tyreek Hill over 68 and a half receiving yards. Last year when the Chiefs played the Ravens, Marlon Humphreys got absolutely cooked, cooked, cooked. And now uh, Fuller's still not going to be ready for this game for for the uh, 
uh, for the Ravens. One thing I really liked about watching uh, Tyreek Hill last week in his 94-8 reception game was how Mike McDaniels was playing him open. He wasn't making him rely only on skill. He was using play design to get good quality looks at him. He was averaging 11.8 yards per catch. And I think that my, I'll just say this. I think the Ravens are going to win, which means there's going to be no late running in the game for the, for the dolphins. They're not going to be running no clock out. They're going to be trying to throw and get the ball into their playmakers hands. And what better news for Tyreek Hill than Jalen Waddle on fourth and seven, scoring a a deep touchdown, doing the Waddle Waddle, because that's just going to put more attention on, well, let's say we'll take less attention away. I mean, take more attention away from Tyreek Hill. This should be a fun game, um, especially for Tyreek Hill backers. Best celebration dance in football right now, by the Hands way. Hands down. Uh, and I will also take any Dolphins bet that you have for me because you absolutely nailed the Dolphins completely outplaying <laughs> the Patriots last week. Cash it in. Um, I think I think that's like one thing like – that I could do well if I see a team in person. I literally see the Dolphins and the Bucks in person multiple times a year. If I can see a team in person instead of just these little cuts that the television crew is trying to show you, I have such a better understanding of how they play football. All right, let's cash it in, man. Yes, yes. Let's, uh, guys, thank you so much for listening to What's the Spread. Be sure to download, rate, subscribe. And if you lost money last week, The only way you're going to get it back is by betting this week. Best of luck. Take care.